for those who are watching on YouTube, well, YouTube knows that we moved us up around a little bit. And for those who are listening, dial in church, we had to make an adjustment. So thanks for your patience. I'm Dirk MacGyver. I'm the associate pastor here at Maple Park. And what a joy it is to be able to bring the good news this morning. Let's pray as we begin. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, whether it's in the rain, whether it's in the, the sunshine. Father, we praise you and thank you for wanting us to gather together as you have gathered us together. To praise you, to thank you for all that you are, all that you've done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would just give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. We pray these things in the wonderful and strong name of Jesus. Amen. On Wednesday, Pastor Adam and I were listening to a webinar on church restarts and revitalization. The guest speaker was a pastor who took the church through a restart in the Washington, D.C. area. A church restart takes place when a church plans to close their facility and stops all their ministry and then reopens with a new vision, a new name, and operates as a new church. And no, Maple Park is not looking to restart. However, we are looking into being revitalized as a church. And the same factor that is important in restarting is as just important in revitalization. However, we need to think about what is important. And this pastor continued to focus on mission. The important factor in restarting a church or a church going through revitalization is being mission-focused. If there isn't any direction on mission, the church will end up closing. But we can have hope. We can have hope because Jesus calls on us to join him in his mission. This morning, we look at this theme of Jesus, joining Jesus in his mission by looking at this great invitation that Jesus gave to his disciples. Jesus was about to ascend into heaven and was leaving the disciples with some parting words. Some may say some final instructions, or we might just say, leaving them with a great opportunity, a great opportunity to join him in his mission. And so we look at Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, for our text today. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely, 
King James Version says, lo, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When we talk about wanting the church to grow, what do we say? How are we going to do it? You know, back in the 80s, yet for some, it's 1980s, it was all about bringing people to church. Let them hear this sermon, and the sermon will change them. Then over time, there were experts who came out with church growth ideas. So we listened to seminars, podcasts. We went to different conventions or conferences. Did you know that most of the people who attended those conferences or the conventions went home depressed? Those people said to themselves that my church can't or won't do that. Then there were ideas that programs are in and of themselves the mission of the church. That people will come just because of a program that the church puts on. These programs were used to attract people to the church. But because of that idea, something was lost in translation. You see, programs aren't the mission of the church. But programs support the mission. And so what is the mission given to us in our text today? Well, we find it in verse 19 of our text. And it tells us to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. This is how the church will grow. By joining Jesus in his mission in making disciples. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. The passage says that we're supposed to go. Well, where in the world are we supposed to go? But realize that you're already going. The, the directive in this passage, or the imperative, is not in the going. In the Greek, the phrase would read, as you are going. The verb here is a past participle. So as Americans, we are always going somewhere. Well, we're not necessarily supposed to be going anywhere right now. But usually we're on the go. And we will be going again, won't we? We are now in phase two, aren't we? Sometimes we are going somewhere as individuals. Sometimes we are going somewhere as families. Sometimes in bigger groups. Sometimes as groups within the church. We can read it as we are going because we are already going. We're going to the store. We're going to work. We're going to school. We're going to church. We are always going somewhere. And so because of that, we are on the go. And so we can also see what the imperative is in the passage. We can see what God is wanting us to do. What is that? To make disciples. 
So the real question here is that, is God referring to us as individuals to make disciples? Or is he speaking of the church as a whole? Well, this morning we can see that he's really talking about both, isn't he? You, you probably are asking the question, how can I do that? I'm too old, or I'm too young, I'm too inexperienced. Or if you're thinking of the church, you might be saying, well, we're too small, we're too busy, we don't have enough energy, we've got all these different programs at, at the church, we don't have time for anything else. Well, you're right. You can't do it. Or we can't do it by ourselves. But we can join Jesus in his mission to make disciples. And because we are on mission with Jesus, we have Jesus' power. And because we have his power, we are able to do this. You know, verse 19 starts with the word, therefore. And this word is a very important word. It ties what Jesus says just before he says, therefore, to what he is asking us to do. Jesus is asking us to make disciples. He is asking us to join him in his mission to make disciples. But we are able to do this because of the, wor the words prior to the word therefore. So how are we able to do this? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It is on the basis of Jesus having all the authority in the universe that he says, to make disciples. Would we be able to make disciples without his power? No. But because Jesus has power, we are able to fulfill what God is asking from us. Take, for instance, two pillars of the faith. One in Moses. Now, God asked Moses to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh to release the Israelites and allow them to leave Egypt and to go to the promised land. And what, what did Moses say? I can't do it. I can't, I can't speak. I can't talk. How in the world am I supposed to do that? And so what does God say? I will give you the words. I will give you the power to speak when you can't speak. And what did we see Moses do? Moses went to Pharaoh and told Pharaoh, let my people go. And then Moses talked to the Israelites through the desert up to the edge of the promised land. This Moses who couldn't speak spoke. And guess what? The Israelites listened. And then a couple of weeks ago in Bible study, 
and you can join us for Bible study, 10 a.m., 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Paul's, we learned about Paul's feelings of inadequacy in his ministry. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom. Did you hear that? This is the Apostle Paul. This is a guy who built churches in many cities. And yet, what happened? He spoke in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. How, were, how was Paul able to build all those cities? How was Paul able to, to start churches in those cities? By the power of God. By the Spirit speaking through Paul. Thousands upon thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ. And guess what? The same power who was in Moses, the same power that was in Paul, is the same power that lies within you. Why? Because Jesus said so. Jesus' power lies in those who believe. So what does that mean for you? Does that mean that you'll be asked to speak to thousands upon thousands of people? Maybe. Maybe not. Might be one or two. But the same power that is involved in reaching thousands is involved in reaching one or two. And so it is through God's power that we are able to make disciples. Not only does God give us his power, he also gives us a plan. And God has had a plan for people from the beginning of time. He wants all people to come in a personal relationship with him. And in the Great Commission, he invites us to be a part of that plan. After Jesus tells the disciples what he wants them to do, he tells him his plan. And it's a twofold plan. What does he say? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, baptism takes place at the start of someone's Christian life. It's at the beginning of one's walk with the Lord. And we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit because each person of the Trinity has a role in one's salvific process. They all participate in one's salvation. You see, God the Father has a role of orig originator or an orchestrator. He directs the process of salvation. 
And then we have Jesus, the Son, and his role in salvation. And his role is one of redemption. He brings salvation to fruition. And then we have the role of the Holy Spirit. And it's one of regeneration. For he is the one who changes people's hearts. He speaks into the lives of unbelievers. He gives, the, he gives people the ability to believe. First he says to baptize, and then he says what? To teach them everything, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner, somebody who is learning. We might call them a student. Did the disciples ever stop being disciples? Do we ever stop learning about God and who he is and what he has done for us in Christ Jesus? Maybe we will all stop being students when we leave this world and enter heaven. After we come to a relationship with Jesus Christ and have experienced what he has done for us and what he has accomplished for us, we want to live in Jesus. And we want to live for him. We want to live this life as Christ calls all of his followers to live in. This means that we are able to live in the gospel. We are able to live being set free from guilt and shame. And it's the gospel who compels us to follow God in all of his ways. This includes taking up our cross and following him. But it's because of what Christ did for me that I am able to do this. And the more we hear about Christ, the more we want to be more like him. It's because of Christ that we don't want to violate, violate God's laws, his ways. But we want to trust in God. And we have been taught in his word about who he is and what he has done for us. And just as we have learned about those things, we also want others to understand that as well. And so God has given us power. He's given us a plan. But there's one other thing that our passage tells us about as, it, as we are to make disciples. And it's God's presence. And verse 20, it says, And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Now on Fridays, we've been having our Facebook Live staff updates. And this past Friday, Pastor Adam was talking about ants. He was talking about automatic negative thoughts. And sometimes as we are making disciples, these negative thoughts come to our minds. And most of these thoughts are based on fear. We are fearful about being alone when it comes to making disciples. Now, I remember a time in which I 
was walking down a dark alley in New York City. It was late at night, and all I wanted to do was run from one side of the alley to the other. And when I finally did it, I got to a light. Guess what I saw next? Another dark alley that I had to, to, to walk through, well, run through. I didn't want to be there. I was scared. I was afraid something was going to happen. Only if I had somebody else with me during that time, I would certainly be less fearful. Could you, be, could you remember a time in which walking in Seattle would be considered dangerous? You know, what a mess we are living in today. Cars and churches and other places are being broken into and set on fire. And there was a pastor the other day who said he was fearful of saying the wrong thing. He says, I don't know what to say. I don't want to offend somebody, for I am biased. But then he said, but one thing I will say is this. I am a sinner in the need of God's grace. Isn't that something we could all say? We could all say that we are sinners in the need of God's grace. Isn't that a message that our world could relate to today? God's desires are for all people to know this. That we are all messed up people. But yet, we can have hope. We have a promise of salvation. We have a promise of God fixing us and fixing our world. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, hear them from, I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And God offers us another promise in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrated his love in this. While we were yet sinners, while we did something against God, Christ died for us. The promise of life given to us, not because we deserved it, we were sinners, but because of God's love for us. Because Jesus came and died on the cross for us. God's promise to us is life. We don't have to feel alone in making disciples. We don't have to fear of saying the wrong thing. We don't have to have the fear of rejection. Remember, they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting Jesus. We don't have to have a fear of being branded a religious fanatic. In 1995, DC Talk referred to those who were branded this as Jesus freaks. And yet DC Talk says, yeah, come on, call me that. Because that's who I am. 
But we don't have to go in fear because we know that God is with us. God is with us every step of the way. And in Psalm 23, we read that as we are going through this life, we are not alone. That Jesus is there walking with us. That he is walking alongside us. He is protecting us. Giving us words to say. Feeding us encouragement as we are joining with him in his mission. If there is anything that we can stand on, if there is anything that we can depend on, if there is anything that could serve as a foundation for us making disciples, it is God's grace. The gospel changes hearts of evil, of unrest, and brings restoration and hope. God can change what is hurting our world today. And God has given to us the greatest opportunity to share this. For he has called us to join him in his mission in making disciples. What a great message we are able to share with the world, especially in the days that we have had. God desires for us to be in his mission of making disciples. God desires for all people everywhere to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of his people. The mission involves movement. And as we are going, as we are moving from one place to another, as we're going to the store, as we're going to work, as we're going to school, as we're going to our neighbor's house, as we're going to church, God invites us to make disciples. He invites us to help people come to faith and grow in him. We can make disciples as God has asked us to participate in making disciples of all nations. By his power, through his plans, and in his presence. As we think about our church and we see our need to grow, let us be reminded of what God desired for, his, for the disciples and see how God will grow his church as we join him in his mission to make disciples. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for this great opportunity to come alongside you, to join you in mission, to make disciples of all nations. And Father, there are times in which we can walk in fear as we do this. But Father, we pray that, or we thank you and we praise you that we don't necessarily have to walk in fear, but that we can walk in faith because of who you are and what you already have accomplished through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray that as we continue to go, wherever we are going that, time, that period of time, that you would help us to continue to make disciples, that people would see Jesus in us, and this world would be forever changed because of your power, your plan, and your presence in our lives. And Father, we do pray that if there's someone out there who doesn't know you this morning, Father, we pray that you would awaken their hearts and their minds 
that they might see Jesus as the Savior of the world, that they might come to know Jesus to be their Savior and their Lord. And so, Father, we just again praise you and thank you for this time, now in the sunshine, to praise you and thank you, to glorify you for who you are and what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.